Ahoy there, sailors, and welcome to, well, uh, this isn't a full episode of Tales Yet Told, it's more of a little side story. Uh, I kind of told you all last week that we've been having some scheduling issues, so uh, I've decided to write a little bit of something that'll help kind of fill in the gap of some stuff that's been happening in the background, uh, uh, dealing with our, our good friends at in the Navy. <laughs> Um, uh, this is pretty short, uh, so, you know, I hope you all enjoy it, uh, I've been trying to get a little, uh, get back into writing a little bit more, and so, you know, uh, maybe you'll be seeing more stuff like this in future seasons and so on, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, big shout out to our editor, Zach, uh, who, uh, helped me throw this together, uh, he does amazing work, uh, and I, I truly wouldn't be able to do this without him, uh, or this whole show in general <laughs> at this point. Uh, so thank you so much to him, and thank you all for listening, uh, and I hope you enjoy. Ahoy there, landlubbers! Whispers in the Sea is an actual play series drawing elements from stories of fantasy horror, political drama, and swashbuckling action and adventure pirate stories. As such, a list of content warnings will always be made available in the description. It's union policy that in the aftermath of a violent engagement, that half of any prisoners captured during the conflict are executed on site. On my mark, three. Two, one, fire! The other half were to be conscripted into the Union Navy. Ash gray smoke rose in thick clouds above the docks of Paraiso and Contrada as the sounds of gunfire bounced off the walls of the merchant house. The sound of ten bodies hitting the water quickly followed. Ten pirates standing along the edge of the wooden boardwalk, slick with blood and rain, turned away as their fellow crewmates sank like stones into the river below. Captain Gabriella Angeli watched the evolution of grief on the faces of the surviving crew of the Painted Fleet, as relief turned to fear turned to horror, the horror of the realization that they were not a part of the lucky half. Cruelty was not just expected from someone in the captain's position, it was a necessity. A reformed pirate may show no mercy in the presence of the other officers, lest their loyalty come into question. The captain turned to her first mate, Lieutenant Rowan Carter, who was making stiff strides up the ship's boarding ramp to stand by her side. He was a pale-faced stick of a man bolstered by the authority his blue and silver uniform afforded him. He was the type to make no attempt at hiding his distaste for pirates. Gabriella took in a deep breath, steeling herself for what must come next. No sign of their captain, Captain. She's not amongst the dead or any of the nearby area, so either she escaped on the Bois Perdue or... Well, she was burned alive, and her ashes are spread at the bottom of the river. Lieutenant, must I remind you the details of this mission's briefings? Captain Estefania de Alabastro is a golden dragon mark. She doesn't burn. Her eyes traced the edge of his twitching eyebrows, and she almost could see the lump forming in his throat. A Marvellian noble son, made to be the dog of a former pirate. Did you search the river? No, though, I don't believe... You have twenty minutes to find her, Lieutenant. But... Captain, 20 minutes, or else you'll have to explain to the Admiral why we returned without the target or the map. He slumped, only just stopping himself from taking a step backward. Aye, aye, Captain. 
He turned on his heels, barking out orders to the crew all the way back down the plank. It took a few moments before Gabriella finally unclenched her fists, releasing the tension from her body. It had been three years since she enlisted in the Union as one of the few post-war reformers. Reformation enlistments had dwindled in the years since the Powder Wars, with the Union's resources primarily being pumped into solidifying itself into Kelidora's political landscape rather than actively policing the seas. As a result, fewer and fewer pirates felt the pressure to go straight. But it wasn't pressure that had convinced Gabriella to enlist. She had a goal, and if this mission failed, it'd likely mean that three years of enduring the Union meat grinder was all for nothing. The Admiral had pulled a lot of strings to make this mission happen, enlisting the assistance of an Espinoran merchant, planting the map, spreading the word, all of this just to figure out where the map led. But without Estefania and the contents of the map, there was no hope in finding the vault. And whatever was in that vault was important enough for Admiral Tenere to risk his already unstable position in the Union. Failing him would be a death sentence. Gabriella rubbed her temples in an attempt to dull the oncoming headache. The mental throbbing of her mistakes and hardship made manifest. All this thanks to that Belenusian witch of the Bois Perdue, whose strange magic had probably sailed them miles away by now and out of her reach. If she was lucky, Captain Bouillon of the Sliver of Justice may catch up to them by nightfall and apprehend them. Though she was certain she watched Estefania climb up the side of the eyes revealed during the fight, so it would only make sense for her to have dived into the river once the ship caught a flame. Gabriella let out a sigh, realizing now that all her hopes rested on the shoulders of Lieutenant Rowan and the diving crew, unless her eyes turned back to the prisoners, now with their backs against the wall, flanked by Union sailors well away from the edge of the dock so they couldn't throw themselves in. She looked down the row of them, one face after another, silently grateful for what she saw in them, surrender. The crew of the Painted Fleet were as proud as they were colorful, but even they knew that the ends were inevitable. They were outnumbered, outgunned, and out of options. All that was left was to pray to whatever god may take them after death, and pray that the many-armed god would spare them the chains of the Union. Prisoners! Their faces sank as they turned toward the captain, making her way down the ramp, her steps and practiced rhythm with her words. You are all hereby convicted of the crimes of trespassing, larceny, acts of terrorism, destruction of public property, assaulting a union officer, resisting arrest, and piracy. With the power invested in me by the union circle, I hereby sentence you all to mandatory conscription into the union navy. If you accept your sentence, you are to serve for a year and a day, at which point you'll go to trial and the Union Circle will judge whether or not you have been properly reformed. She stopped at the bottom of the ramp and turned sharply towards them, making eye contact with the prisoner nearest her. If they deem you not reformed, you are to be executed. If you choose to reject this enlistment proposal, you will also be executed, and what remains of your body will belong to the Union Navy. We won't do it. One of the prisoners finally spoke, their voice hoarse and scared. No point in joining us, just for you to wait to kill us. The others tensely nodded in silent agreement, afraid that any cracks in their voices would give away the fear that was growing deep inside of them. Better to go out as pirates than as cowards. She couldn't blame them. It wasn't that many years ago since she also bore the same naive sentiment. She motioned to the Union sailors, and without hesitation, they moved in and forced the prisoners back towards the ledge. 
Captain Gabriella silently positioned herself behind them as she unlatched the whip from her belt. She lazily tossed the leathery black tail of her weapon to the side and focused her mind on the words she must speak rather than the prayers her prisoners muttered. I invoke the Articles of Salt and Foam, Article 19,320, drafted by Magister Itziar Vargas. The words fell from her lips and darkened her presence as she uttered the incantations burned into her mind after hundreds of hours reciting them. Her vision grew dark and murky, and she felt the coldness of the sea upon her, the bitter, scratchy sting of salt in her lungs, the dark embrace of the many-armed god enacting its will through her. Her body moved, but not of her own will. It had control now, control she happily gave for the power she now wielded. Her arm moved like lightning and her whip cracked like thunder as one by one dug deep into the backs of her prisoners. The wounds it left in them festered and foamed with a briny dark fluid, causing them to twist and bend at odd angles. Their screams of agony, nothing more than background noise for the rest of the sailors, still preparing themselves for the dive. The chains bound to their ankles bound their fates as well, connecting the ten of them in a way that made it impossible to swim. All it took was for one of them to lose their balance, and they all fell into the drink, the weight of their bindings dragging them to the bottom. The cold soon left Gabriella's joints, as she and the other sailors stood over the side staring deep into the depths of the river, waiting for her god to uphold its side of the contract. The venom of the many-armed god gripped the bodies of its victims tightly, paralyzing them in moments. However, it did not numb the feeling as water filled their still lungs, a tragically cruel side effect of the process. The thought had crossed Gabriella's mind before that this may be in fact part of the contractor's design, a painful transition into a terrible new existence. Suddenly, an invisible force tugged on her heart downwards towards the river, its strength almost pulling her in head first. But she had become used to the sudden tethers, an ethereal bond with the bodies she now controlled. The mark drowned, given back to the Union in exchange for restoring order to the seas, an extension of the will of the many-armed god in that of the Union, and thus, as an agent of both, an extension of Gabriella as well. She followed the tether in her mind, reaching out to the new drowned at the bottom of the river, waiting for their first command. Find the body of a Stephania de Alabastro. Bring her to me. And without hesitation, they acted. She and the other sailors watched as the water rippled beneath them as drowned began to trudge along the riverbed, still bound by their chains. If a Stephania was down there, the drowned will find her. All the captain needed to do now was to wait. Ensign Wallaby. She called out to one of the soldiers beside her, without turning to them. Hey, Captain, how much would you bet our sunken friends find the target before Lieutenant and the diving crew? Barely contained laughter broke out amongst the four sailors, suffocated enough not to catch the Lieutenant's attention. Five Crowns says they don't breach the water. <laughs> she turned to the other side of the dock. The Lieutenant seemed to be struggling with a zipper on one of the diver's suits, his face splotchy and red with frustration. How's it going, Lieutenant? She shouted. I think this suit is defective. The sailors laughed again, and the group of them made their way towards the diving team to wait to see what the drowned would find.
proud member of the Rainbow Roll Network. Rainbow Roll. Our stories, our voices.